Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Times. Really excited for today's guest. He grew up playing for BVA and Seaside in BC. Uh, he went on to play for York University with a stop at Camosun in between, and now he's back at York, where he's the team captain. He's also played on the beach, winning a silver medal at Canada Games. Please welcome to the show, Luke DeGrief. Luke, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you made an appearance on the B Show on Sharp Cuts, and I thought you were awesome, but it's good to get more of an interview style so people can hear about your full career. But uh, take me from the start. Pretty athletic family. You got siblings. Were you guys always a volleyball house, or were you guys playing every sport? No, absolutely not. And to be honest, it was really hard for me to get into volleyball because I was a big soccer and basketball guy. So it was uh, it was back in grade six. I had an old retired guy walk into the classroom, and... Uh, uh, you could call him retro. He was a little bit old school. So he just kind of walked into the classroom, gave a little speech and told everybody to stand up. And uh, he just kind of looked across and he picked out the two tallest kids and said, come with me. And we went down to the gym and he taught us how to play volleyball. Um, but it was definitely, definitely not a love at first sight kind of thing. Unreal. So they were like a, a university level player, a former national team player. Like who was this random guy on the hunt for players? No, he was uh, five six, really small, bald. Just I, I don't know where he came from, but he just kind of showed up in my classroom, and uh, <laughs> that's kind of how I got introduced to it. What an amazing entry point! So you're like you said, you're playing other sports and playing at a pretty good level. What attracted you to volleyball? Because you can play soccer from such a young age, and like your skills get good. And I always like soccer that when you fumble the ball, the game doesn't stop. Where volleyball, you have to reset every time, right? So, was it the challenge of playing a new sport? Was it somebody random just telling you you could be really good at this? Like, what got you hooked? <laughs> well, it was it was kind of a process because this guy, his name is Rick Wetzky. Um, he ran clinics, so he was trying to get me to come out to his clinics because obviously I was a pretty athletic kid and had a good family so my parents were trying to push me to try other things so they would actually drag me to the van throw me in the van and drop me off at practice and say we'll come back and pick you up at the end so they they kind of forced me into it and gradually i started to enjoy it a little bit more because well, i didn't really have a choice i was there for two hours so i might as well play some volleyball um, and then eventually rick kind of got through to me he was saying there's so many kids that play soccer, but so few opportunities. And then he said volleyball is kind of the reverse. You don't have many people playing it, especially on the guy's side, but there's a ton of opportunities coming out of volleyball as you get older. So that's kind of what got me into it um, as I was started growing up and started playing a little bit more. Amazing. Amazing. And do you probably take responsibility for getting your brother so hooked? Oh, yeah. He started a year after me. But he was he's been playing volleyball longer than I have actually nice nice so when did you learn that club volleyball was a thing because like you said that was through clinics and stuff like were you on a club team pretty young or did you kind of enter around like 14u 15u so volleyball is not the most popular sport in Victoria um it's growing now we're getting bigger BVA is getting more kids but my team we only had 10 players and those 10 players were the 10 kids that were in the clinics so Rick was the clinic guy, but he was also the club coach. So that, that was our pipeline. He, he was basically recruiting his next team when he was going around to all the public schools and picking the tall athletic kids to tell him to come to, the, to come to his clinics. That's awesome. And was he passionate about the beach game as well, or did you kind of discover that on your own? I discovered that on my own, 100%. 
Yeah, there's uh, there's only one beach that we can really play at here in Victoria. We don't have any uh, we don't have any courts, so we we set up and rake and basically maneuver logs, <laughs> do the whole court every year to play in Victoria. So it's a bit more of a hassle to play beach volleyball. So definitely a later entry point for that one. Yeah, let's jump ahead to that just in case we don't touch on it further. Uh, like you guys are literally setting up a portable. Like what is the scene? Like obviously I think Kits gets a lot of credit and that's where you guys probably go to play major tournaments and stuff. But like you said, if you want to play in Victoria, it sounds like everybody contributes, right? Yeah, 100%. So there's a big group chat on uh, on Facebook with about 100 people in it. And every, every summer, kind of actually end of spring, we usually go down to Willow's Beach and uh we're moving logs we have to shovel sand we have to level out the courts because every winter there's pretty big storms and so they wash everything away so it's kind of a reset and uh yeah every year we're we're building our own courts and then whenever people want to come down they just set up a portable i think this year was the most courts we've ever had we had four four nets set up for for a makeshift tournament down at willows but other than that it's, it's hard to find good courts to play in here Amazing. Amazing. So to, to circle back a little bit, you mentioned uh, just the amount of opportunities, especially in men's volleyball. So at what age did you start thinking that like post-secondary or even like a national team experience was going to be realistic for you? Like were you 15, 16 being like, yeah, I want to play college or university? Yeah, 100%. I mean, as a young kid, all I wanted to do was play sports. And I think I kind of got into volleyball because it was the draw of more opportunities in the future. And so 100% that was always on my radar that I wanted to go for it. Um, 14U, 15U, 16U. At the end of 16U, I made the youth national team. So I took a trip down to Florida with uh, with that group of guys and had a ton of fun. So that was probably the moment where I could actually make something happen playing volleyball. Shoot, I forgot you were with that era. Um, was that Matt Harris or Kerry McDonald? Or who would have been coaching that squad? It was Kerry McDonald was the head coach there. Sweet. And you remember a couple of guys that would have been on that squad with you? Yeah, it was uh up and we had Lachlan McBride, Cole, Cole Bransman was on that team. Uh, I'm trying to think of some more Ontario kids. Uh, we had a we had a pretty strong uh, Alberta contingent on that squad. Yeah, was Jacob Van Giel there or is he a touch younger than you? Yeah, yeah, Did he you- was on that squad. Um testing my memory no that's sweet so uh, i know the bc is the bc uh, scene excuse me is pretty good but when you get on a squad like that and you're you're having these awesome practices i bet but then you go to a competition and you're you're playing against good teams and you're beating good teams was that such like a cool feeling for you yeah it was pretty sweet i mean playing for playing for victoria there's only one team here for guys so there's not a ton of competition we, I actually grew up playing against older girls teams because there was literally no other guys team here. So to go to a tournament where there's, I don't know, I don't know how many courts were in that facility, but it was amazing to see so many good teams all competing at such a high level. And then to get a couple wins under the belt was definitely a pretty sweet experience. And for you to choose to go to Seaside, is that just kind of a natural step, I guess, if you're playing for a smaller club is when you want to play 18U, um, maybe a couple guys quit the squad, maybe it's just time to move on to be more serious. Like what led to the decision? Because uh, I imagine a commute was involved there for you, right? Yeah. So that's another, that's another bit of the story. So I, after I played for that youth national team, that was the end of 16U, I came back and playing basketball the winter after I tore my ACL. 
So I took the 17-year year off completely. Um, I was recovering from surgery during the club season and then took the summer off to kind of fully get back into things. Um, so I didn't get that 17-year year and I felt pretty far behind in terms of recruiting because the, the only time or the only real video I had of me playing at a high level was with that youth national team. But that's 16U on a different net height, so it's not a super valid video that you want to send off to coaches. So the move to Seaside was a little bit motivated by me feeling slightly behind in the recruiting process and also wanting to wanting to catch up on my development a little bit. And what was that like? Because obviously you're around new guys, you're around a new coach, maybe you feel a little bit behind. Like, Was it pretty nervous going to that first tryout or did you reach out to coach before you went uh, to check it out? No, there was a whole plan involved. Um, I, I knew a lot of the guys on the team beforehand. There's a really good group. So I kind of had all of the supports in place. I had the houses to stay at. I had the, I had the connections made. And I went and it was Dave Dooley that was the coach. So he actually ended up being the Canada Summer Games coach for me last summer. But uh, yeah, we had a really good relationship. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit nerve-wracking meeting some of the guys I didn't know, but it was a step that I, I really felt that I wanted to take. So I think it was uh, it was worth it for me to push my boundaries a little bit. Now, hearing just uh, your entry into sport and how much you just love all, all types of athletics, if it's not too personal, just take me through that ACL because uh, I think as we get older, maybe our identity isn't touched about it, but like we probably woke up and wanted to play sports every single day and now you're a teenager and that gets robbed. Like I know the injury itself is pretty brutal, but how did you deal with this not being able to be active? Yeah, it was, uh, I honestly had no idea that it could be that serious because when it happened, it didn't, it didn't really hurt. I didn't really feel it happen. It was an isolated tear, which means nothing else really got damaged. I was lucky in that regard, but I had no idea. And I went, I actually went to a couple specialists and they referred me to get an MRI when got the news and I just sat there in the office like in shock because I had no clue that it was that bad. Um, so they were explaining to me that all of the, all of the recovery processes. And I think I kind of blacked out the appointment after the guy said, yeah, you might never be able to play basketball again. And I was kind of floored by that because I was 17, just turned 17 and sitting here going, all right, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to play one of the sports I love anymore. And so definitely really, really tough to kind of bounce back from that. But I have a great, a great family at home and they were able to kind of keep me, keep me grounded a little bit and support me through, support me through that recovery. But it was a, it was a mind shift change because I had to, I kind of switched into figuring out how to win each day instead of winning, winning a game or winning anything else. Like I would, I would wake up in the morning, swelling's down a little bit. That's a win. You go throughout the day and try and figure out like how can I win other things and kind of get that competitive edge out of my, out of myself. Wow, wow, good for you, man. So when you finally get back, any hesitation, or were you just like once you got the green light, you're like, yes, I can play sports again. I'm going to go full here. I had a really great support system through uh, CSS. So I was in the Canadian Sports School training at Pisces. Uh, over at Camosun College in Victoria. So I was I was training there and I had a really great trainer that was working with me uh, almost every day, taking me through lifts and walking me through the through the recovery process. 
So I felt actually really confident in my body of what I was doing. So when it came time to get back onto the court, I, I didn't really have much hesitation. I was, I was pretty excited to get after Nice. So with that seaside squad, I'm trying to figure out what age group you are. That wouldn't have been with Bratsburg. Are you? So I was a year behind. You're behind Bratsburg. Okay. So who would have been on your squad then? Uh, it was like Chris LaGuardia. I had uh, Martin Prinsloo, current York teammate. Yeah. He was on that squad. Uh, a guy named Nick Prokopich. He went to Western for a year. And the, so there was Talon and Dakota McMullen. They were a couple of rugby kids, super athletic. Um, yeah, just a lot of seaside lifers. So guys that had played for that team since 14U, a lot of them still stuck around for that team. Nice. And was it helpful having Coach Dooley, who is a post-secondary coach, but with the, uh, with the recruiting? Or how did you kind of approach that? Because like you said, you may have been a little bit behind missing that 17U year. So uh, did you feel like you were reaching out to coaches? Were coaches identifying you? Was Dave telling you, you know, this is how you're going to write an email? This is how you're going to introduce yourself? Dave was definitely a piece. He, uh, I think he was involved at Capilano at the time. He was involved with some other college, so he didn't help too much with my recruiting process. I was mostly just working with my parents on drafting emails and kind of sending out sending out information. I was definitely shopping myself a little bit more. I didn't have many coaches reaching out to me. Um, I just, I was a little bit, not unknown, but uh, kind of untested. I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of video, didn't have a lot of uh, material to give out to coaches. So with you landing at York, uh, if you had to think about it, what went into that decision? Were you thinking university? Were you thinking college? Were you thinking big school, small school? Like what led you to eventually leave the province for for a bigger school? It was 100% the U-sport drop. I really wanted to play at that higher level and also attend university. My parents were pretty my parents were pretty set on getting a university degree and making sure that I'd see that out for five years. So uh, that was that was a big part of the draw, and I. I think I didn't actually have many offers from other schools, like official offers on the table. I went on a couple of visits to other schools, but York was the first one, first or like first real one to give me a nice AFA offer. Nice. And did you end up doing a visit or the first time you're at York's gym is it like a practice? No, I did. I did do a visit. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> Um, does your timeline match up? Were you one of Groenveld's first recruits or were you still there when Wally was there? I think Wally would have just exited, right? Yeah. So I was Groenveld's second recruit. Martin Prinsley was his first. Nice. Shopping the VC guys. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> did that help? Uh, just talking to Marty and knowing that you'd have a familiar face or when you did the visit, like did any of the vets stand out that you're kind of like, this is going to be a good fit for me? Well, Dan Everton was uh, another BC guy that I knew and he was already a part of the team. So uh, I definitely connected with him and talked about it a little bit. He was really positive about York. So I thought, you know, I trust this guy, BC guy. So I'll give his, give his opinion some validity. Nice. And actually, sorry, I missed uh, after Wally Wabi stepped in and uh, in the Wabi area, a friend of the show, Logan Men stands out a lot. Did you talk to Mender? I guess Mender would probably take credit for having Everton and maybe Everton would take credit for getting you. Yeah, that, that would be the chain for sure. Uh, Logan, Logan, I didn't actually know before coming to York. Um, I met him 
through the beach scene the following summer. And we kind of connected through Dan because him and Dan are from the same area, BC. So with U Sports being a goal of yours and pretty in sport, what was your first impression of the OUA? Because I imagine you being a club guy from BC, like you said, you you knew a couple guys who maybe went to Western or this guy went to Queens or you knew Marty, but uh, it's a different world out here. And I guess guys would know each other. Like you probably didn't know what like Storm or Pac-Man was, or maybe you've heard of them, but now you were like on teammates or playing against these guys, right? So what were those first couple of weeks being a Lion like and just getting used to the whole scene and learning everybody's name? Yeah, it was it was definitely a fun team to be a part of. A lot of really nice guys, and it, it made the transition very easy. I think I didn't really pay attention to all of all of the extra stuff. Kind of just figured, well, I don't know anything about Ontario, so I wouldn't bother bother learning. Uh, but I, I was honestly just trying to soak up everything Nathan was timing. He's a super knowledgeable guy, and I think like even in that first couple of weeks, right before preseason. He gave me a lot of good pointers that actually helped me get onto the court for the rest of the year. Nice, nice. And I remember that era with Nate just talking about, uh, not that it was a rebuild, but there was a lot of young guys on the team. And I think Nate really prided himself on like developing and kind of building the system where um, I'm not saying you guys weren't trying to win, but he was really focused on just getting things like up to speed and getting, make sure you were playing the right way. So what were some of those practices like? Was there just like a ton of teaching and a ton of learning going on? It was definitely a little bit slower. Yeah, 100%. We were doing uh, a lot of skill work, a lot of reading work, um, kind of just what things should look like, but very, very slow and broken down. And uh, a lot of, uh, we did a lot of video sessions. So Nate, Nate would have us, he made player profiles for us. And we would watch our player pro, or watch the player he set up for us. And we watched for specific skills that they were executing and try and bring that back into practice. Was yours a university player? Or was yours like a, a true pro? Like who were you watching a lot of video on? I, my personal one was Matt Anderson. I think he's, a, he's got a little bit of size on me, but it was the arm swing that Nate was trying to get me to, to emulate in my play. Sweet, sweet. So when you started to earn some court time, like, does that make the decision worth it? Because obviously you being a family guy, you're away from home, like, uh, obviously, like school's going to take care of some stuff and you have some friends. But when you started to play, was that kind of like what made this decision the right one for you? I definitely missed home. It was not an easy transition. Victoria is a smaller Vancouver, which is a smaller Toronto. So I kind of jumped up two levels and went to the city. So Missing home was definitely a factor, but I mean, just getting on the court and having that opportunity and playing with some of these guys and learning from Nate, it definitely was worth it because I think I grew a ton from that experience. And when you made the decision to go to Camosun, was that based on maybe a little bit of homesick? Uh, did you want to study something else? Like when you decided to switch schools, uh, when you look back at it, what was the, the just made the, the timing right on that one? Yeah, that was a... That was a tough one or a tough span of years for me, just because right when my first year was ending, COVID hit. So we got kicked out of dorms and sent home. And that whole next year, uh, I was just kind of sitting at home going, I don't really want to go back. The, the team wasn't practicing. Classes were all online. And I would have been paying a ton of money out of pocket just to live in Toronto. But live there and not practice and do my classes on a computer. So I, I actually decided to just take the whole year off and I didn't, I just worked and tried to save up. But I just felt like I wasn't, I wouldn't really grow that much if I was doing all the things I could do at home. Yeah. So then 
right towards the end of that last year, I was kind of trying to figure out if I was going to go back to back to York or whatever my next steps were going to be. And I tore my meniscus playing soccer. So I had another, another scare with the knee. We got an MRI and we were saying, okay, it's not too bad. We, we might not need to operate, so you should be okay. And so that was great news, but I needed some time off to recover. So I kept working and that's when I actually made the decision to stay home for another year. So Kamosin was just down the road from my house and it kind of made sense for me to take classes because I didn't want to take two years off completely from school. I felt like one was enough. So I wanted to get back into the classroom and it, it just kind of made sense that I want to train with the team and uh, Kamosin was close. So that's kind of what led me to make that transition and make me play for that. It was more of a, more of a situational thing than anything else. And just for like the the logistics of it all, did your credits transfer? Did you feel like you were starting post-secondary all over again? Some transferred. Uh, most of them is not the most, doesn't have the most diverse course selection. So I, I was started in kinesiology at York. And I ended up taking a bunch of psychology classes uh, at Camosun. And then when I actually made the switch back to York, I switched into psychology and all of my Camosun credits transferred back to York. So it worked out pretty well. Nice, nice. And, and just with our timeline here in kind of the COVID era, your age group was the age group for Beach Canada Games. So was that something you always wanted to do? Did a coach reach out to you? Did Dan Everton say, hey, man, you and I would be great? Like, what was the decision to uh, be a Canada Games athlete for BC? Yeah, so during during that summer after York, and then the following summers, Dan and I had been playing together pretty consistently. And summer games was something we talked about probably right after right after York, right after we met and kind of hit it off. So we were we were pretty set on going, and then COVID hit, postponed it a year, so we kind of forgot about it. And then the word got out that it was happening, and they were keeping our age group the same. So we decided, oh well, might as well go for it. It's going to be a really fun experience. So. And what was the selection process? Uh, some provinces do like a camp, and then will it down. Some just do a straight up tournament. Like, how did you get selected to represent BC? It was supposed to be a big tournament after a training camp weekend so similar to what you're saying that get all the players together kind of chip away who was who was going to be best and then stick them into a tournament but only three people signed up and two were dan and myself so so it made the selection a little bit easier we uh we just played in a collaborator and yeah that's pretty much it (laughs) And then leading into the games, uh, how much did you get to train with uh, Coach Dave and what were the competitions like? Did you guys play the local scene or did you travel much? We did not travel a whole lot. Uh, Dan and I were both working at the time. So we were, uh, Dan was coaching and I was working with Curtis Stockton doing some solar, solar, solar panel installations. Um, so our schedules are a little bit hectic, but we, we tried to just bounce back between Vancouver and Victoria whenever we could and and train train with mostly local guys but Dave Dave made made a lot of sacrifices for us so that we could make it work awesome awesome and your year was 
pretty pretty stacked i mean uh picking and abrams took it down you guys were strong uh van Giel and colby were the alberta team uh tynan my guy was with nova scotia like there was a lot of good players uh and i thought your cycle was interesting where they put some of the smaller provinces or newer provinces of the beach kind of like in their own pool of death and then you guys were power pooled with like either a bigger province or just somebody who has more access to beach where usually it's like a straight serpentine so everybody had competitive and meaningful matches right off the start uh did you know that was going to be the format or were you guys sitting at the tech meeting and being like wow this is actually pretty tough like we don't have a freebie in pool play anymore yeah i honestly had no idea what to expect hey didn't know a ton of the other guys besides obviously Pickett and Abrams and Ben Gill. So I, we were kind of coming into it just saying, well, you know what, every game is going to be a battle because well, we're playing the best team from every province. So I think the mindset was just we had to come out and play hard every single game. And as the draw progressed, did you just tell you were on a crash course with uh, Pickett and Abrams? <laughs> they were definitely one of the strongest teams there for sure. <laughs> We, we just hoped we had the chance to, to battle with them. It turned out that we did. Yeah, what was that final like? Because obviously you got an experienced coach. I imagine he's hunting down video and doing game planning. Like, did you guys feel pretty ready for that final? I think we were. Yeah, we, we had a good game plan. We had everything kind of dialed into what we wanted to do. And we were coming off a pretty high, pretty good high, a nice win against Quebec in the semis. Um, but I think we just kind of, we got the heat. The heat got to us a little bit. So we were we were struggling to kind of keep up with the pace that Pickett and Abrams were playing at. I think Pickett's on something like 13 blocks in that game, which is something ridiculous for, for two sets. So. Yeah, he, he's pretty special, but I will say you kept the trend alive where uh, BC's played in four straight finals. And the reason I can say that is because when I was at Van Open, uh, when Sandy found out I coached at Canada Games, he asked me what year and then told me who won that year because then he went on to tell me about, uh, I think... Weeb won one year and Dan Caverly. Uh, I forget the gentleman who won at our cycle. But anyways, he was just saying that a BC team is in the, in the final every year. And I was like, oh, how do you know this? He's just like, well, I just wanted to talk about it. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, BC's always done pretty well at the summer games. So there's definitely definitely a little bit of pressure feeling that too, because we knew that heading, heading in, that there was a pretty good track record. So kind of dealing with that at the same time. Nice. So then you go back to York uh, and Coach Nate gets a great opportunity. He moves over into the athletic department and now you're going to work with Dave uh, and you're going to be named team captain. And I know team captain gets, it gets dramatized a little bit. It's special. I mean, every high school movie talks about, you know, if you're the captain, like you're the man, but uh, having worked on the squad with you, man, that's a lot of work because you're, you're dealing with the guys, you're meeting with the coaches, you're probably dealing with stuff before it gets back to the coaches. Like just tell me and the listeners what it means to be a, a post-secondary varsity level captain, because uh, it, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. You got to deal with some stuff, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I mean, when Todd told me that it was going to be me, I kind of was a little bit shocked because I'm coming in to a pretty, pretty young team and a lot of guys that I hadn't met before. So since I took a year off and then a year at Composa, a lot of these new players I hadn't met before. So obviously Todd and I had a pre-existing relationship and he knew me as a person and felt that I'd be a good fit for the role. But yeah, it was definitely a little bit of a shock to hear that I was going to be the one that was going to have to try and make all these, make all these changes. So I kind of, I didn't try to make any waves off the start. I really just wanted to focus on building good relationships with the team and kind of making sure that everyone's working towards the same goals. And then, yeah, I mean, 
we kind of got to the point where it was just player relationships and making sure we're all we're all on the same page of what this team's trying to accomplish. And do you have any examples of how you build those relationships? Because I think Coach Day was great where like it was never explicitly said but i felt like the team room was your space like the coaches didn't go there and hang out so you guys had your own space or you could always go grab a bite or uh, i think one of the challenges with york is it's kind of a commuter school so it might be hard to like wheel guys down or stuff so did you find yourself just making extra time to talk to somebody or making friends or hey i haven't reached out to this guy like what were some of your strategies just to make sure that you could build those relationships so then when things did get tested it wasn't just you confronting them it was kind of like hey we're buddies but now we need to talk about this issue yeah, it was it was a lot of extra time spent with building relationships in terms of meeting and just taking time to do extra things, um, like obviously helping with class schedules and enrollment, doing extra things outside of volleyball. I felt that that kind of built a bit of a stronger connection with guys, and then I was able to tie in volleyball to those relationships. So I was taking external things that maybe someone was struggling with or uh, obviously, moving away from home is a pretty big one. So, I had a couple, a couple chats with just like, "Hey, I've been there, man. It sucks. This is what I did. Doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but I'm, I've been through the same thing, and I'll tell you that it eventually gets a little bit easier." So, I was just having those type of conversations, and then uh, obviously we can tie that back into volleyball when things get, things get a little tougher. For sure, because as I think in my mind here, we had a lot of out-of-province cats, but then we even had some Ontario guys who were from like Ottawa, so that's like technically moving away from home. And and then you still got the GTA guys who commute to school, so it was kind of a nice mix. But yeah, those that extra time to have conversations or talk about stuff that isn't volleyball while you're building those relationships, I thought that was huge for the guys. 100%. Now, with the team, I think it's funny when we look back, that York team the year before struggled and actually lost rmc and i'm not saying rmc like that's like a, a laughable thing but i think that probably hasn't happened in the history of the york lions so the the team goes from dropping a game to rmc to making final four in the oua so uh obviously I, in my mind the culture thing stands out like the leadership you demonstrated but what else stands out in your mind of why the team was able to uh i won't call it a 180 but it was almost a 180 in performance <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it was the addition of some pretty key pieces. We had uh, Fadari coming up from the college leagues, and I think uh, my my return to York kind of allowed Tahi to flourish. Um, I think there's there's a bit of a load taken off his shoulders where he was didn't have to be the guy that was connecting all of the things and also being the stud on the court. He was kind of able to to step in and be that guy. And, perform every single game for us so um not uh tooting my horn too much here but i think ty definitely definitely benefited and then uh dennis coda coming in for the middle he really helped us open up the game if you look at that that lineup with Tadari on the right side Tahi's performing well on the left and now you've got a threat through the middle that's going to be uh, that's hard for any team to to stack up against and another cool experience I just got to witness was uh, your brother is in Gatineau or sometimes they train at Lesseté in Ottawa there, but basically he's come to this side of Canada to be in the NEP program. Uh, you got to spend some time with him because obviously he's a bus or a trainer right away, but uh, 
as much as we would have loved to have him, uh, I never felt like you were hitting him over the head being like, this is the spot for you. You still let him make his own decisions and be there for him. But uh, what was it like just supporting your little brother who had moved away from home pretty young, like to be a, a grade 12 and, and playing for the national team, but then kind of supporting him through his recruiting trip, but not telling him to do it like the way you did it, right? Yeah, um, yeah totally. He's, uh, he's definitely got a very bright future in volleyball. So I wanted him to make sure that that decision that he's making is going to be one that's benefiting him for the longer. And the fit has to be right. The coach has to be right. And all of that stuff just has to be so well-structured for him and feel like the right decision. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's obviously chosen Trinity and Trimer's at a great place for him. And he's really, really clicked with the guys already. So he's definitely making that that transition away from home a little bit easier because <laughs> it'll be a second time around for him now as you said playing for planning out no and for anybody who watched us play this year obviously uh you suffered another injury at the end of the season and uh, i know you went through it as a 17 year old but man it, it never gets easier right so what was that like going down at uh, there's never a good time to go down but to go down end of season like it were all guns are blazing like you're a big piece of our team uh, what was that uh, like when you get the news that like you're you're getting shut down? Yeah, well, I mean, I uh, I kind of knew instantly. I, I felt I felt the twist, I felt the pop, and yeah, just all the emotions instantly came out of me. Um, I don't know. There's pictures of me on the floor and on the side, just in tears because I felt it. I knew what happened, and it was just kind of like, oh my god, I can't do this again. So a really, really tough mental hurdle to kind of overcome. And they, they toyed with me a little bit at the hospital. They were trying to tell me it was just a, just a little LCL tweak. <laughs> I was taking that good news home with me. But a couple of days later, it was, yeah, confirmed to did the, did the ACL again. So same knee, same everything. The, the good part was I've, I've done it before, so I know what to expect. And I'm, not, I'm not coming into it totally green. Uh, definitely uh, definitely another switch in the mindset. Now, that surgery continues to evolve where I feel like 20 years ago that was almost career-ending where even speaking to you shortly after, the preparation you were putting into it, like the, the prehab, I thought that was really impressive. But uh, you being a competitive guy, did that make it easier where you're like, I'm going to win today, I'm going to be so ready for surgery that when it happens I'm going to recover faster? Or how, how do you fire up to work hard knowing that all you're doing is just getting ready for the surgery, really? Yeah, well, like you said, it was uh, <laughs> it's hard to put in that work, knowing that it was going to be uh, I was going to have to do all the same things over again in a couple months. But yeah, um, just knowing that I've had the surgery before and the benefits of doing that prehab are unbelievable. It made such a huge difference going into this that last surgery, way more prepared than last time. And I would say that now I'm I'm progressing a lot faster and pretty pretty well for, for having a second a second ACL repair on the same knee. So winning winning every day was definitely a huge portion of that. And like over over the past couple of years I've really grown into just really enjoying being fit and doing all sorts of fun things. So biking became a huge part of my daily routine. I would go to the gym at York as, as soon as I could. I was riding the stationary bike and then now back home I'm biking up mountains right by my house pretty much every day as, as much as I can. 
that's so impressive to hear because it's not too long since your surgery. So it's so encouraging to hear you post-op and doing so well. Uh, but I, I do have to ask, what does it feel knowing that like you're, you're probably not going to compete this year, right? Like it's just going to be too far into the season that maybe it's not worth a year of eligibility or it's worth focusing on just your health and some other things. Like how do you come to terms with that? Knowing that like it, the amount of work you put in and how physically fit you're feeling right now doesn't mean that you actually get to compete this year. Yeah. Well, I, I found that my, my love of sport kind of extends beyond competing. So through my first ACL tear, I volunteered to coach my brother's club team. And so I had a pretty big hand in helping them win a provincial championship and kind of fell in love with coaching. So every single time that I've had to take a step away from the sport, I've just kind of leaned into coaching. So I'm staying really connected with the game, just in kind of a different way. And I've actually found that when I do get back to playing, it, it helps a lot. I'm able to kind of notice what I'm doing a little bit more and be, I've become a little bit more self-aware of my movements and how, how I'm doing or doing or not doing what I coached others to do. And I ran into you at Van Open. It was so cool to hear that uh, you're giving back and running a kids camp. But uh, you've created a challenge for yourself where it sounded like you're like, oh, I'll run one court and it's going to be fun or whatever. But you've got a ton of kids and you've got a good thing going. So just tell me and the listeners, uh, what made you want to run a camp? And then, uh, yeah, tell me how many athletes you have in your camp again. Yeah, well, I've, I, mean, I grew up and we had 10 kids and we basically had to go around begging for other guys to come play with us. And I'm... In Victoria, we've got a ton of really good athletes that are just pulled in a bunch of different directions. So I kind of figured, well, why not add another direction and pull them towards volleyball? So my my kind of goal is to to grow the game in Victoria and try and try and get at least one more club to 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 at least create some competition or have some more players get involved with the game. It's definitely growing. Uh, I'll pull up my numbers here, but I had. A little under 130 registrations last year, and I am up to 154 registrations total this Amazing. year. So we're we're slowly growing. We're slowly getting better. Um, but yeah, I just I just want to see the game grow, and all these kids they deserve a good place to play some volleyball. Well, it's awesome for you to be post-op, standing on your feet that much, entertaining kids. And, and like you said, you, you've you got this genuine interest of just growing the sport and you're doing it your way. And it's just so awesome to hear about how many kids you get to work with every week. And it's, it's just awesome, man. Yeah, you know, it's really fun. And I, I enjoy it too. So it makes a big difference when I'm doing something I actually like doing <laughs> Well, sweet man, it's been great to get the behind the scenes of your career. I know it's still going and it was great to hear the the challenges of injury and how you're able to get out of it. And hopefully uh, you kind of inspired some of our listeners here because it, it is a tough situation and I think you've handled it well and you'll definitely bounce back stronger. But uh, one tradition we've built into the show is just to tell a funny or unique story uh, because the volleyball community is pretty amazing. So even though you've played at the highest level, imagine something odd or funny's happened along the way. So I was hoping you could just give us one more story before we let you go. Yeah, so last summer at the, at the Canada Games, I was hanging out with Coach Dave and Dan Everton. Um, the women's team was there. They were coached by Maverick Hatch, so obviously a pretty pretty well-known name in the beach volleyball community. Um, so we were, we were hanging out. We were waiting for the opening ceremonies, and we kind of had to pre-assemble so we could get all of the provinces organized so they could do the walkthrough for the opening ceremonies. So in this massive auditorium and on our way in, they handed us a, a banana and a water bottle. 
And that was basically our entertainment for the next half an hour while we're waiting for everyone to kind of get all set up. So I obviously ate the banana and was drinking my water and was just sitting there so bored and holding the banana peel in my hand. And Maverick Hatch walks over and he looks at me and he's like, Luke, I'll give you 50 bucks if you eat that entire banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there going, no, man, there's no way. And uh, yeah, so I figured, well, you know what, might as well do something for the next 15 minutes and slowly started to slowly started to chip away at the banana peel. But you have to realize like all these kids that are around us for the summer games, they're not our age. So beach volleyball in the first week was one of the, one of the older groups. So a lot of 15, 16 year olds and swimmers and divers are sitting around watching me eat this banana peel. <laughs> and I'm getting just an absolute, like a, just a wide range of mixes. Like some people started cheering, they're egging me on, trying to get me to eat more of it. Others, <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? Like he's this, he's this old kid eating a banana peel. So anyway, they, they eventually gave us the all clear and we started to move out of the gym or out of the auditorium. Mav looks at me, I'm still, I've still got a full, full strip of the banana peel left. He just holds the $50 up. Like, Do you want it? You gotta eat it now. So Dan Everton has a video of me just shoving a whole strip of banana peel in my mouth and uh, chewing it, swallowing it and holding the 50 bucks up is a big guy, <laughs> big guys. <laughs> Worth it? Uh, I got my fiber in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And and don't get me wrong. Canada Games is a special event. It's a big deal. Anyone listening should want to be a part of it. But yes, there's a lot of downtime and you got to make your own fun sometimes. It's not all glamorous. Yeah, 100%. I'm glad you told that story because when we had Tynan on the show, he mentioned uh, you were part of another Canada Games story for him where he felt you guys really hit it off where you guys are out after the tournament and everybody's kind of just like uh, congratulating each other, whatever. Uh, And uh, a bunch of people ordered appetizers, but then went to the dance floor and apparently you and him just hung back and just mocked everybody's appetizers. Yeah, yeah, we did. Absolutely (laughs) dummy. The largest plate of nachos I've ever seen. (laughs) Amazing. So that, there you go. I mean, from coast to coast, you can just make best friends at Canada Games. But like I said, you got to entertain yourself because there's a lot of downtime at that event. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome, man. I'm so glad you could come on and share everything you're doing. And I know you had a long day coaching those kids. So thanks for making the time and sharing all that you did. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was a pleasure.